What's up, everybody? My name is Andrew, and welcome to the Bundesliga. This is episode 44, talking about match day 14. But today, we have a podcast special, the second guest that we've had on here, my close personal friend and co-host on the EPL Boys podcast, Matt. What's going on, Matt? How you doing? Hey, thank you for having me. It's about time you had me on here. God, I've known you since day one. Not just on the podcast, but I feel like I've you know, my day one. So I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Always a fun time. Always getting my German soccer knowledge on because before you, I didn't have any. So hey, <laughs> it's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, for those of you that don't know us, Matt and I, friends a long time, soccer fans a long time, both both uh, New York Red Bull fans, and he's a more of an EPL boy, and I am more of a Bundesliga fan. And we uh, we tend to butt heads about our respective leagues pretty frequently. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of that today for you guys. So with that being said, let me uh, quickly go over one of the first games of match day 14. And that is the east side of Berlin, Union Berlin versus Werder Bremen. So I've talked about a lot on this podcast how Union Berlin is really overperforming and doing super well. And that carries on into this week. We have Union Berlin defeat Werder Bremen 2-0 and Taiwo Iwoni, a Liverpool loanee, you know, gotta have the EPL connection, scores again. He gets a goal in this game and he gets an assist. That puts him at three goals in the last three matches. So he is pretty much steamrolling as a player. He's in midseason form and doing super well. On top of that, Union Berlin's Max Kruse has six goals and five assists in 10 matches. So, Matt, you've heard this before. Union Berlin is their second year from promotion into the Bundesliga, and they currently sit in a Europa League spot. Are they overperforming? Do you think they're going to fall down? Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I, this is just something, and it's really nice to see the, you know, earlier promoted sides competing. I mean, you you like you look at the story last year in the Premier League. You looked at Sheffield United. I mean, don't look at them this year. Please don't look at Sheffield United this year. <laughs> they might go down as the worst top flight team in history after this year. But Schalke would like to talk to you about that. Two points after 18 <laughs> games. 17 games. Two points, Dre. Two points. Schal- Schalke's got four, but they're also undefeated. Or, sorry, haven't won a game, I mean. Oh, they did. With two points, there's no way to factoring in one victory. But besides the point, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful story to see, but it's it's surprising because they're winning without the ball. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is when you can find a way to win without the ball, is it's really key. You see a lot of teams in the Premier League. You know, you look at, you know, your Tottenham's, you look at your Manchester United's, you look at some of the teams that sit back a lot for 80, 90 minutes worth of time and then hit you on the counter. And that seems to be what Union Berlin seem to master. But, of course, anytime Werner Bremen's playing, I'm always keeping my eyes on Josh Sargent. I want to see the future American striker, the guy who will be eventually raising the World Cup in 2026. Um, it's, <laughs> yes. it's coming home, boys and girls. Whether you like it or it's not, coming it's home. coming home. So, yeah, obviously we, you know, as USMNT fans, we do like to keep an eye on Josh Sargent. And, you know, watching this game, the one, or one of two creative players on Werder Bremen was Josh Sargent. You know, the few times it did get forward and, and get some half chances, it was uh, Sargent that started them. Um, but I think, you know, going back to that Liverpool connection, uh, Taibo Awani, who's the star player right now for Berlin, 
I think Berlin has a good chance of actually holding on to him after this loan deal ends uh, because I don't think that Liverpool really needs him right now. He's not, you know, a young upstart player who's 18 and 19 and performing this. He's already 22 and has been loaned out by Liverpool five times. I think Berlin likes how he's performing and is going to want to hold on to him. So hopefully that is a deal that Berlin could solidify maybe at the end of the season. Um, do you think Liverpool is going to want him back or do you think they're going to let him let him stay if he wants? Well, I mean, it's a tale of two stories. If Klopp is able to jump in on the January transfer window and possibly in the summer, because right now Liverpool are looking like the Red Cross. Dude, they have so many bodies down, it's ridiculous. These guys, every single week, seem to pick up a new injury in a place where you just didn't think they could get even more hurt. In their last loss, uh, who was it against? Their last loss against Southampton, they were playing two holding midfielders as center backs because they don't have center backs. They don't have senior yeah. center backs. They literally have kids playing. You know, it's just... It is absolutely ridiculous how hurt Liverpool is because you see how tight the table is. I, dude, I'm the first Manchester United fan to say it. If Liverpool were full healthy, I'm talking top to bottom, no injuries, they would have already walked away with the league because of how inconsistent everyone is. It's these mm -hmm. injuries that are killing them, and it's the depth that they don't have. So they might have to recall whoever that whoever they can get to come back because they are just at so few hands at the moment. Right, right. I feel you on that. All right, so moving on, here we're going to have uh, my team. And I know as soon as I give the analysis of this match, Matt's going to roll his eyes. But we had uh, Bayern Munich play against Mainz. Now, Bayern Munich, top of the table right now, you know, first team in the league, playing against Mainz, who is second from the bottom only to Schalke, which at this point you might as well just be at the bottom and count Schalke out. So in this game, this is really what I like to call a tale of two halves. Bayern Munich for the eighth consecutive match gives up the first goal, which is something that I have never expected as a Bayern fan to even happen. But here we are. They were down 2-0 at the halfway mark. So Bayern Munich here is in a position that they have rarely been in, which is being behind by two goals, let alone to the you know second worst team in the league. And they had a five-goal comeback in the second half, which is amazing. You can never really count Bayern out. Obviously, everyone knows that. But for Bayern Munich to be in a position playing from behind is very rare. So as I'm watching this game, I was about ready to admit, like, oh, yeah, I mean, it is Mainz, but we're two goals behind. And, you know, how often does a team come back from a two-goal deficit? And Mainz was, in the first half, really, really playing well and, and not scared to, to send numbers up you know, up front against Bayern. So if they had continued that, if we hadn't made some adjustments at the halfway mark, maybe, you know, there would have been a different result. Yeah, any notes on this one? I mean, This is one of those games because, you know, I do get the Bayern Munich updates on my phone because I like to follow the bigger teams around every league just to kind of see, like, what commotion is going on. And, you know, I saw them go down 2 nothing, and I really, and it caught my eye because I know Mines is on the bottom part of the Bundesliga table, and it kind of was just like, ooh, do we have an upset brewing? And then I think to myself really long and hard, and I think to myself, yeah, this isn't going to hold. Like, I know Bayern Munich. I know the firepower that they have, and it is just... It, it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen, and especially when you have, you know, all of your stars at full capacity. I mean, when Kimmich is getting on the score sheet, you know you're going to win the game. I mean, that's <laughs> really it. 
But just something that absolutely blows my mind is that statistic on how many times Bayern Munich are the team to give up the opening goal. You think of a team so strong in the midfield, so strong on the back end. You have some of the best players at every single position at your disposal. I mean, like, and we can even go to Manuel Neuer, who is still arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. The fact, FIFA thinks so. The fact that you you have this that lineup, and yet you still are the one giving up the first goal. I don't know what Hansi Flick has to do to like, you know, get his guys more pumped up and ready for the game. I would hire Jamie Vardy because I've heard that guy gives a hell of a pregame speech after like slamming four Red Bulls and like three like protein bars. So. <laughs> Yeah, that that game, uh, honestly, like as a fan, was a, b- a bit nerve wracking, but um, I'm happy we were able to pull it off at the end. I think I have to give big props to Hansi Flick here because he didn't wait until the 60th or 70th minute to to make some changes. At halftime, he recognized what was not working, and he made subs right at the 46th minute, at the beginning of the second half, to adjust what was what was going on there. So that was that. Now. Being a Manchester United fan, Matt, recently uh, Lewandowski gave an interview or, and he was talking about you know a point earlier in his career where he was a Dortmund player right around the 2012 season. And he was saying that he had plenty of uh, contact and conversations with Sir Alex Ferguson who wanted to bring him over to Manchester United. And at the time... You know, he was not only like happy about that, he was willing and able to, to go do it. He was kind of excited about potentially joining Sir Alex and Manchester United in 2013, but Dortmund would not allow the deal to go through. Now, we both know the history of what ended up happening. Man U ended up getting RVP and winning the Premier League in Sir Alex's final season. And then a year or two later, Lewandowski ended up coming over to Bayern Munich and has had all the success he's had over here. Do you kind of regret uh, not getting Lewandowski and, but having that one successful season? Or do you think it might have been better if uh, Dortmund let Lewandowski go over to Manchester United? I mean, it's hard to say regret. I mean, regret is really the worst word I think you could use with something like that because that season we ended up getting RVP. I mean, let's be honest. You probably got RVP at a fraction of what it would have cost to get Lewandowski. So if you're looking at it from a like like a money point of view, RVP was the quick solution. Now, do I regret it because it wasn't a long-term fix? I mean, you're looking at Robert Lewandowski now, who is now entering his 30s, yet now entering his prime. Now you compare that to Robin Van Persie, who is way on the back end of his career, playing in a lower division league somewhere across Europe. I'm not, I don't really know exactly where he is right now, but I mean, you, again, I don't regret it because it ended up being a win for everyone because Lewandowski continued to be successful in the Bundesliga, where if I were him, I'd never leave with the amount of success he is having. You see some of the other strikers around the world who leave their respective leagues, go to one of the bigger leagues, and then they turn around and absolutely be a disaster. I think Robert Lewandowski is right in that sweet spot. He's with the team he wants, he's with the players he wants, and he is he, he knows what he's going to face. So I don't really consider that a regret. I mean, of course, would I like you see the way it is now? Of course I'd want Robert Lewandowski. Who wouldn't want Robert Lewandowski (laughs) right right now? Who wouldn't want guaranteed goals day in and day out? But I wouldn't really call it a regret. I got to celebrate my 20th league title, 
and Robert Lewandowski should be winning Bola de Or. So it seems like everyone really won in the end. But um, yep. yeah, but like I said, would I take Robert Lewandowski right now? A stupid man would say no. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, not much more to say than that. I think in the, the way the deal went through, everyone kind of won. RVP and, and, and Man U got their title, and Lewandowski's had all his success since then. So I think that's a that's a fair trade, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining. There you go. All right. Next up, back to some Bundesliga action. Next match, we had Eintracht Frankfurt face off against second place team Bayer Leverkusen. Now here we had Bayer Leverkusen drop some really really important points in the title race. With the points they dropped here against Frankfurt, they land in third place. And this was a 2-1 victory to Frankfurt. Frankfurt are now undefeated in three straight matches. They're riding kind of in the upper middle half of the table. I think they're in eighth place right now. Their big problem this season is that they're not losing a lot. They're not winning a lot. They have eight ties. So they have the most ties of any team in the league right now. However, they have picked up a victory here against Leverkusen, which is important. And a lot of the ties they're getting are also against some top-tier competition, namely a 3-3 tie against Gladbach and a tie against Dortmund and a tie against Leipzig, who's currently in second place. So they're not dropping a lot of points across the across their matches. They're not gaining a lot either. So I think their problem is if they obviously turn some of those ties into wins, they'll be higher up than they're at. I think Frankfurt potentially still has a chance to end up in a Europa spot. I think they're well positioned right now to eventually end up in Europa spot if they can, you know, get some more victories here and there. But yeah, right now standing at eight ties in 14 matches. Then next up is a team that I think Matt has a little bit more familiarity with, and that is RB Leipzig versus VFB Stuttgart. So here with Leverkusen dropping points, RB Leipzig moves into second place with a 1-0 victory over Stuttgart. So they're currently sitting right behind Bayern, hot on their tail in second place. In this match, Emil Forsberg misses a penalty for Leipzig, but unfortunately doesn't matter too much. Daniel Olmo scores a goal later on, and that seals the deal with a 1-0 victory for RB Leipzig. Tyler Adams played in this game as well, which is just always happy to see when Tyler Adams gets starting time, so always got to give him the shout-out. But the real star of this match, I think, is Daniel Olmo, who's playing super well for uh, RB Leipzig. I see him being a very important player for their team and also for Spain going forward. He has two goals and four assists so far this season, but I've seen him play on that Spanish international side as well. And I think he uh, he's definitely going to be one of the brighter stars of, I think, both teams, of RB Leipzig and of the Spanish national team. But with these two matches over... A perspective I want to get from Matt, who watches some Premier League action, is how are the two Bundesliga players that left in the offseason doing over in the Premier League? We had Timo Werner leave RB Leipzig over to Chelsea, and we had Kai Havertz leave Bayer Leverkusen over to Chelsea. Matt, give us an update. How are these two German star players doing in in the, the Chelsea squad? So I'm going to start with Kai Havertz because it's a little bit easier to describe. And um, his ass is really warm because the dude doesn't get off the bench. I, I've, I'm pretty vocal on 
um, my team's podcast where it is, I am, I'm not a fan of how Frank Lampard is running Chelsea at this current moment in time, playing people out of position, playing the incorrect people at different times, playing, you know, 16 year old Academy players, and then leaving $82 million center attacking mids on the bench. This it's a whole long story. And if you really want to hear the rant, you can take a listen to our podcast at any time. You're more than welcome to. Kai Havertz, I think, is just the victim of possibly just, you know, a good move to a wrong team. I think there are plenty of teams in the Premier League as well as teams around the world who would kill for Kai Havertz services. At the beginning of the season, in some League Cup games, he was bagging hat tricks and making world-class assists. And now this guy can't find playing time. He is riding the bench day in and day out. Is being subbed in with five to ten minutes left in the in blowout games, whether a blowout win or a blowout loss. So he's really not getting meaningful minutes. And I really think this is going to hinder a huge part of his career being at the age he's at. Now going over to Timo Werner, same story, just getting a little playing time though. He's being played completely out of position. Uh, someone you you when you think Timo Werner and all of your listeners will know he's one of the most lethal strikers in the world right down the middle with that pace with that power he's going to slam you and he's going to get those goals this entire season up and only till recently Frank Lampard's been playing him as a left wing which again if you're a German league fan wait isn't that Christian Pulisic's spot that's right boys and girls because Christian Pulisic is now being bumped over to the right wing Everyone seems to be playing in a position that they don't want to play in. And then people wonder why Chelsea is struggling. Timo Werner has, at this point, maybe gone, I think it's nine or ten games without a goal. And he's just looking bad. Like, it's not even like he's getting good chances and he's just, oh, the goalies are making world-class saves. No, he's, like, missing sitters. He's missing five-yard sitters, goalie out of position. He's just got to tap it in. I mean, it's not good. I haven't seen a striker drop off this quality since Fernando Torres went to Chelsea. Like it's, it's yeah. just, it's, and it's unpleasant because you know, the quality Timo Werner has, I've watched Red Bull Leipzig due to, you know, my Red Bull, New York connection. I want to support the Red Bull teams. And I like watching this guy when I watched, when I was seeing that he was coming to the premier league, although going to Chelsea arrival, I was excited to see what this superstar would bring to the table. And now I'm worried that his entire career is in jeopardy because he, again, is at a point in his career where it is a big make or break. And I'm worried that he is going to go down the line of more of a bust than break the bank superstar. So I'm really worried about both of them. I mean, Kai Havert is, is still young enough where I think if he had to, he can go somewhere else to get himself in a better position for his career. But with the mm -hmm. amount of money Chelsea spent on both of them, I mean, you're looking at what happened to Kepa. Kepa was the most expensive goalie in world soccer, and now he sits on the bench because he is in horrible form. I worry for all of them. I really do. And I worry that... Yeah. Their owner is not one to forget, you know, bad transfers, throw the checkbook at the new manager and just let the new guy spend $400 million. So it, I'm worried for all their careers. I think that would be the biggest sum up of all of that. Yeah, I, I remember hearing part of this rant on, on your podcast and essentially it was saying that Frank Lampard has all the right pieces. He has Pulisic, he has Kai Havertz, he has Timo Werner all on his team and 
each one of them are playing in the wrong position where they don't prefer to play. And it literally seems to be the solution. Only thing you do is just rotate the three guys to their natural position and, you know, call it a day and see what happens. But for whatever reason, he's not doing that. And just think about this. You see, you see all these superstars Chelsea has from top to bottom, some of the most expensive players in the world. And the two best players on this team are Academy product Mason Mount and the, um, how do I describe this? The French underwear model Olivier Giroud. Yes, that's right, <laughs> boys and girls. The two best players on a team full of $100 million signings is a kid who arrived on a fray and a guy who literally probably makes more money posing in French underwear magazines. Oh, boy. So that's that. And then the last match to cover here, and we have a, a conversation to have at the end of this, is Borussia Dortmund versus Wolfsburg. This match in the Bundesliga is pretty important because, A, it was an exciting-ass match, but, two, it was the return of Erling Holland. He'd been out the entire month of January with an injury, and if you heard the previous episodes, Dortmund was struggling in those couple of matches. So Erling Holland returns. However, in this match, it's not really him that shines. It is Jaden Sancho, which is going to bring us some controversy with Matt. Jaden Sancho in this match has a goal and an assist, which I believe are his first of the season. He's gone somewhere in the area of 900 minutes or something without getting a goal. So in this match, Jaden Sancho, for the first time, arguably all season, is performing well. However, um, even though Dortmund won the match, I'm not going to give them too much praise. Arguably, Wolfsburg were the better team here. They had more shots. They looked more creative. They had more big chances and more shots on goal. So don't count Wolfsburg out. They weren't able to finish their chances, but they did look to me personally to be the better team. And Wolfsburg this year, I think, is performing more akin to what I expect them to. They're currently sitting in sixth place, which is the Europa League spot. And Wolfsburg is a team that I consistently think should and does make Europa League. So got to give a shout out to them. But with the topic of Jaden Sancho brought up, obviously everyone knows that this offseason there was long and storied rumors and a saga of Jaden Sancho potentially getting a transfer over to Manchester United. And a few episodes back when I had the bench warmers on, I talked with uh, the guys over there and talked about the Jane Sanso tra- uh, transfer saga. Now I got Matt on. So Matt, as a Man United fan, I remember what you were saying in the summer and I know your attitude now. So tell us, how do you feel about uh, the Jane Sanso transfer saga? Do you feel like you... Dodged you missed out on him well, or yeah yeah dodge that's the thing dodge the bullet well, that's what i'm looking for here's the thing he's so young that's the thing that's the biggest x factor going on right now so during the off season everyone knows i your quick you know update if people forgot basically dortmund was wide open to selling Jaden sancho and Jaden sancho wanted to come to manchester united it was written in the stars verbal agreements everywhere it was a five-year contract at like three hundred thousand pounds a week the man was going to get paid he was going to go on the one of the biggest marketing teams in the world his entire career was set a lot of people forget he also released a brand new boot around the time the transfer window ended and the whole point i think was that he was supposed to release that boot around the time he was supposed to be announced which would have been like a marketing win-win for not only manchester united jane sancho but nike who's not even a uh, sponsor of manchester united would have 
cashed in on this as well. So it seemed like a huge win-win across the board. But Dortmund made it very clear, hey, it's $120 million. The price is never going to change, and you better have it by this date, which I'm not mistaken, I believe it was August 10th. Manchester United did not put a formal offer in until like a month and a half later, and at that point, Dortmund was already in training, and they made it very clear, you can offer us whatever you want at this point. Yeah, we're not selling him. But, to be fair, Manchester United apparently made a couple offers during that transfer window, none at $120 million. So imagine going into the supermarket, picking up a box of cereal that's labeled $4, and going up to the cashier and paying two. Yeah, that's not how this works. If you just pay for it, you can take the cereal box home. So that's basically what happened. So I look at it now, and you see Jaden Sancho's recent struggle. He went almost 10 full games without an assist or a goal, and honestly looked like he was struggling very heavily. But I also right. bring that into the you know conversation that he really had no one to give the ball to. I feel like if Jaden Sancho is surrounded by superstars, a.k.a. Erling Holland, he is going to perform better and all the weight is not going to be on his shoulders. I think it would have actually been a beautiful matchup with the amount of superstars that Manchester United has at the moment and with the way that this team is blossoming into something different than they've been over the last few years. With the resurgence of Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes, there's actually stars on this team who could actually bear the weight and not just put it all on one person's shoulders, which sometimes Jaden Sancho has to do on his own for Dortmund. So I believe it would have been a win-win across the board. But, unpopular opinion, I actually think if you're Manchester United right now, I would be going hard for Jaden Sancho in January. But I would be making it very clear to Dortmund, hey, we're going to offer you like $100 million. And a lot of people are going to be like, why would you do that? They want 120. You've seen this dip in performance. And I believe Manchester United could offer almost an, an out for Dortmund. Like, hey, the value, even though still very high, you're not going to get $120 million right now. You're not. The financial burdens of COVID is still hurting some of these teams. There's a lot of teams that can't afford to spend any money right now because of the restrictions of COVID and the fact that fans aren't allowed in the stands, people aren't buying things because of financial hard times. Give them an op, give them an out. Hey, you know what? Before his form dips again and possibly his value goes down, go out and try to go get him. If I'm Manchester United, I would be doing it. But at the same time, it's not my money. You know, $100 million is $100 million. Let's not forget this. So it's all up in the air. But I know you've been a huge, huge supporter of these teams, especially in the German League, retaining some of these superstars. It's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, whether in the French League, the Italian League, the German League, you guys have to fight with the stigma of being a farmer's league where the crops grow here and then we sell them to people who want it. I believe, as well with you, I think it would be huge for the German League if they can retain stars like the way Bayern Munich does. If everyone retained their stars the way Bayern Munich does, the German League would be right up there with the Premier League and La Liga for those years when Ronaldo, when Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi were both in their prime. It's one of those mm -hmm. things where retaining your superstars means more money for everyone. 
And I think that's the thing that kind of gets lost is some of these teams get a little bit selfish and just try to sell the player for their own financial gain, but then realize like the second that superstar is gone, you're not going to get money for the rest of the league because the rest of the league would make more money on TV deals the better the superstars are there. So I think it's actually a huge win for the Bundesliga if Dortmund can find a way to keep Holland and Sancho. Do I think they'll do it? It's a pretty shitty track record. The Bundesliga is yeah, known yeah. for just selling their stars, especially Dortmund. Dortmund are especially known. Especially Dortmund, so right. The thing is, if they can turn around, if you look at what Leipzig's doing, Leipzig is building from within, buying young talent, keeping the core, not selling these guys. I think Dortmund, if they follow what everyone else seems to like, is trying to do now. I mean, look at Mooch and Gladbach this year. This is a team no one gave a shot to, and now they advanced throughout the Champions League and beat out a team like Inter Milan, who is considered one of the pinnacles of Serie A. So this should only be encouraging for German leagues to want to retain their players. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm a bit surprised that you said that you you still want Manu to make an offer. I I, I thought you were going to say, nope, dodge the bullet, we're out. Cut our losses and just not at 120. Just not at 120 million dollars. Because at the end of the day, 120 million dollars is a huge investment. Oh yeah. And you really look at it. United already have uh, a personal, not personal, great. They already have a deal done with an Atalanta winger, an 18 year old Atalanta winger, who the deal was agreed upon in the closing hours of the summer transfer window. Mm -hmm. And because of a visa issue, it got pushed to January. He's on his way to Manchester in the next day or so to finalize that paperwork. So that's an addition that cost $40 million. United's also interested in going after uh, a left back in the championship, which is the lower division of English soccer to kind of boost up the bench a little bit. They're also looking to bring in players from Ecuador and Argentina who are looking to fill not only the U23 squad, but actually the bench going forward. A big thing is Ollie Gunner feels like he doesn't have a bench to really go to. He has his 11 starters, and if they don't perform, he's SOL. So I believe, if at least I'm a Manchester United fan, I'm happy United's going this direction. Instead of going out and getting one superstar and banking all of the success on him, I'd rather spend for that money, go out and buy four or five different players who can overall help the growth. And when one doesn't perform, you hope the other four do. Yeah, makes makes total sense. All right. Well, I think that was a lot of fun conversation here. We covered we covered the match day. We covered a lot of a lot of uh, soccer, both German and English. So. Matt, why don't you go ahead and let us know where we can find you, where we can find the EPL Boys podcast at. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at Matty, M-A-T-T-Y underscore C-I-A on Twitter. I'm usually just complaining about how Manchester United makes me cry at night. So, I mean, I'm all for that. But I occasionally post funny memes and whatnot. But you can follow the podcast, which is the much more important page to follow, both on in- <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter at, at the EPL Boys podcast uh plenty of memes and especially if you're into betting i need you to get on the instagram because jd puts all of his bets before he makes them this dude makes money now nothing's guaranteed <laughs> i have to say that because i'm looking at the little like box i have to read of you know the terms, the and, terms conditions. and conditions exactly <laughs> like the money's not guaranteed but trust me i've made a few bucks so maybe it's it's 
give it a shot, guys. Trust me. It won't hurt you. But yeah, no, thank you again, Dre, for having me on. It was about damn time, you bastard. But I am <laughs> glad to be here. I wish you nothing but continued su success. And um, yeah, um, Robert Levangolsky. That's it. Yes. That's the only thing I wanted Levangolsky. to say. All right, so thanks for all that. Definitely check out everything Matt said. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys to check out. On top of that, all the the highlights of some of the games and some of the stories Matt and I talked about are going to be in the show notes as well. With that being said, you can also find me on Instagram at welcome to the Bundesliga with underscore between each word. That's welcome to the Bundesliga with underscores. And my email at w2bundesliga at gmail.com. That's w the number two bundesliga at gmail.com that being said for our guest matt my name is dre and i'll see you guys next time i'm still not confident <laughs>